0: This is the Coming Home Podcast with John Allen. <laughs> okay, three, two, one. And welcome, everybody, to this episode of the Coming Home Podcast with John Allen. Today I'm speaking with Bradley. Str- oh, God. Let me just, I'm going to erase that. Let me just start all over. Welcome, okay. everybody. <laughs> Hi, Brad. Bradley? Can I call hey. you Brad or Bradley? What do you like to go by? Yeah, I go by Brad. You go by Brad. Well, how yeah. are you, Brad? I'm all right. You know, this is, uh, this is going to be fun. You're a, you're an interesting guy. You're an interesting character. Um, so my listeners understand, I just want to, you, you're a, you're a face on Facebook. Yeah. We've, yeah. we've interacted, uh, a little bit on messenger. We've interacted a little bit on social media, but your social m- media profile to me is quite interesting. Um, <laughs> I spend a lot. Honestly, I spend a lot
1: of time on Facebook. Um, do you? It's sort of my, it's sort of my entertainment instead of TV. We don't have TV um, hooked up in our apartment anymore. Uh, oh. We occasionally you know, look at Netflix or whatever, But um, but as far as just kind of hanging out, relaxing, I usually do that on Facebook, so yeah, I get pretty busy on it.
0: Okay, so what do you do then for that Facebook entertainment? What do you What are you looking at? Are you Are you watching things? Or are you interacting, or is it a combination?
1: I am definitely interacting. I post some, but uh, I usually spend most of my time on Facebook actually reading other people's posts and getting involved in you know whatever debate is being debated. Okay, yeah.
0: Um, yeah. Now, those debates, are they uh, in the political line? I'm thinking about what's going on back home in our uh, country of origin, the United States. Are they politically oriented or or is it?
1: Often, politically oriented or pandemic oriented are the two big ones.
0: Let's talk about that pandemic. Are you a Corona skeptic or are you a believer?
1: Neither. I am a gray areaist. Yes. yes. And I, I I think I'm actually quite clear about that, you know, because I think the the realities of the pandemic, the realities of where the science is on the pandemic, you know, as we learn more and more about it, it is just a huge compilation of gray areas. And time and again, um uh, one thing that we think we know about it and we think we're quite sure a few weeks later turns out to be, Oh, you know what? That's not so true after all. You know what? Surfaces are not often a ways that people get contaminated That's right. or, um, maybe we're not wearing masks. Oh wait, we are wearing masks.
0: Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and what I think is sad to me, it's quite, I don't know, not that I'm an expert with pandemics or viruses, uh, I'm just an average guy when it comes to those kind of things. But in my mind, it is not, it, it, there's, there's nothing unreasonable. There's nothing nefarious. There's nothing upon which you can build a conspiracy theory. If the information changes. Um, oh, I totally agree. You you know, know, that's look just at, the way you, science works. Right, exactly. And, you you know. find, you find out things and, and, and then you put that information out and then you find out more things and you put that information out and it might contradict your previous knowledge, but it's called Learning. You know, and, yes, and right. exactly, and I, I think it's a sad thing that people are. I mean, conspiracy theory used to be something that everybody laughed at. Now, if you laugh at it, you certainly can, and I do quite a bit uh, behind the scenes. But you can't really laugh out loud because then you're at the risk of hurting somebody that you know. So yeah, many people, yeah. so many people are falling into the conspiracy theory pit. It's it's it's. Pretty fascinating, and I don't. I think I just think it's shocking, and I also yeah, I yeah. feel I feel like it's very new. Um,
1: it, is, like, it is. It is.
0: It wasn't like this four or five years ago.
1: No, no. Um, you, or, you know, sometimes when I say something like that, or when I have that kind of thought, uh, I'm thinking, okay, is it because we just have better and more instantaneous information about each other? Is that what it is? Is that what we can see on on social media that You know, all of these people are having this thought right now, and all of these people are having this other thought right now, and we learn that so fast about each other in a way that we never did before. Or are we, in fact, just more susceptible to conspiracy theories now than we used to be?
0: I would think that, I guess I'm a little bit disappointed that social media is such a dividing (laughs) force in society. Because I would think that social media, I'm, I, I looked at it from the get-go as something that brought me closer to people. It put me, um, I'm trying to remember when I started on, on Facebook, was that like 2010 maybe? And at that point, I was eight years in Norway, eight years away from my uh, fa- most of my family and all of my friends. And then all of a sudden, oh, here comes Facebook, and I looked at it as such a beautiful and powerful thing that got me back in touch with, um, with my roots, with my American. Friends with friends from high school that I hadn't Mm -hmm. seen since graduation. And I looked at it as such a positive thing. And and here it is. It seems to be the catalyst for all things hateful and spiteful and confusing. And it's the foundation of conspiracy theory.
1: What the heck happened? What the heck happened? It is all of that. Well, I mean, I think we, you know, I'm sure you, know also that we just all have such a tendency to tailor our own social media experience to our own beliefs and the ideas that we're most comfortable with. And the people who piss us off, the people who piss me off the most on social media, they end up getting hidden or defriended so that i never i don't see what they're posting anymore and especially of course during you know recent american political upheavals i have whittled my own facebook page that i actually see down to just people i agree with there's almost no exceptions anymore
0: let, let me ask you this let's let's take social media away and let's say you're in a work environment you're at the workplace during during the current political situation know this 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 most recent election and you hear the vitriol you 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 witness the hatred uh, you know people diving down that well full of conspiracy theory and whatnot but you don't have social media so you're hearing this in real time face-to-face mm-hmm. live conversations with people how do you think we would deal with that without so, you know social media we can we can unfriend or unfollow or block right.
1: How do, yeah. we, what do we?
0: How does that translate? How would that translate
1: in yeah, that's today's good question, Right? You're you're in the you're in the moment. Are you gonna? Are you going to dive into this debate right there by the coffee machine at the office, <laughs> or are you just gonna nod and smile and walk away? Uh, does it color your perceptions of that person who you work with? Does it color them a lot or just a little? Um, you know, I have an example. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't work in anything like a normal workplace. So I don't have that. I don't have that kind of experience to go back on. But when my parents died a couple of years ago and we, my two sisters and I went to sell our house, um, the realtor came from a close friend of one of my sisters and he came in and he knew what he was doing. And he, um, uh, he had lots of great ideas. He had lots of clear ideas. He had a good reputation. Uh, And then he made what I felt like was the mistake of saying, now, I'm a staunch Republican, and, you know, (laughs) blah, 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 and my boss is actually a liberal Democrat, and we somehow managed to get along. But, you know, I kind of, I just wish he hadn't actually said that, because it immediately made me think, huh, Um, well, all right. Yes, because I have preconceived notions about what a uh, staunch Republican in Virginia is going to think like and be like, and um, of course, in the end, we're Facebook friends and we do get into uh, minor debates occasionally. But he did a great and quick job of selling that house, and we <laughs> um, we actually put his ideas into we into action. He said, you know, you really need to update the kitchen before we put this on the market. So we immediately updated the kitchen. The thing sold in just a couple of weeks, and it was, you know, yeah. good price. So, you know, yeah. he did his job really well. But it did color my, you know, I didn't need to know his political leanings. And why do
0: you think he said that? I, I mean, that, that's, I mean that's, a, that's a bizarre thing to say. It, well, I, you know, we
1: just had this one meeting, and I don't know why he would have brought that up. Uh, yeah, no idea. So... Um, I think he was using it kind of as an example because, in the same breath, he brought up his own boss, who was a who was a Democrat, and somehow he was uh, using that as an example of how we can all just get along. <laughs> uh, this was this was just before just before Trump was elected. Um, yeah, it was August of two thousand sixteen, or yeah, actually May. Well- so
0: and, and I do believe a lot of people, I don't know, I guess they they're forgetting the eight years that we had President Obama. but I I truly believe that this deep splitting, this polarization in American politics began with the election of President Obama. Now, you've got a lot of people on the right who will kind of twist that and say, yeah, Obama caused a lot of hatred in America. No, he didn't. Uh, The racism and fear of (laughs) racists caused a lot of division in the United States. Because I I believe that's really the only thing they, and I put this in air quotes, had on President Obama was that he was black so they turned that into a they turned that into the the this this solid concrete foundation of fear and just built on it from there and then it extended into the trump presidency
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, you look at, you know, you look at Obama's presidency, and I don't know, there just doesn't seem to be much at all to disagree with, you know? He comported himself so beautifully in the White House, and, you know, in public and internationally, and his family was just, you know, just right, just normal, but without getting themselves in any kind of trouble, no
0: and, but and, I'll say um, this. I'll say this. Politically, also, uh, you can be that staunch Republican, uh, but, but I don't think that politically they really have that much to to go on either. Where is this radical left agenda that they thought yeah, he was going no, to bring? No, Where, you no. know, he never came for their guns. You know what I mean? Um no.
1: All of those all of those conservative you know yeah, you know, real conservative fears, boogeyman type yeah. stuff. Yeah. You know, I, it nothing. just doesn't
0: happen. So so I I don't know. It, it's it's just a sad situation. Um, call me naive, but I think now that Trump is going to be gone, and yes, people, Trump will be gone. I'm, I'm getting—I t- don't know about you, but I'm getting tired of Norwegians coming to me and and asking about the political situation in America, and they have this undertone of fatalism that Trump is not going to leave. Trump will just refuse to leave the White House. Uh, no. Drop that idea, people. Trump is leaving, and call me naive, but I believe that once he is gone in January, that things will slowly go back to a if not the same normal a similar normal i tr- yeah i i I, yeah. I i fold my hands and pray on that on a daily basis right. i do. but i but i think it yeah. will happen i think it i think that man was so toxic and i believe that enough people were sick of that toxicity that it's going to make a difference yeah. now and i believe yeah. okay yes he has his followers what 47% of the of those who voted roughly 47% he has oh. those people but what I, what is he going to do with them? I, I, you I know. What's his platform going to be? Um, it's going to be hard for me to have a platform from prison. You might have
1: heard that there's some talk of him like starting his own network. Now, this is just a theory, some kind of... Yeah, uh, you know, I've heard that, know,
0: but it's going to be hard to do from prison. Business.
1: Yes, exactly. Exactly.
0: Yeah, but you know what you're right about, uh, or at least that
1: has has been my experience of Norwegian's attitude towards uh, American politics some too. Um, uh, I don't, I'm not in a situation where I can talk with many Norwegian folks about this kind of thing, but it did come up a few times, uh, Norwegian folks being convinced that he was just going to win this election. Yeah. And you know, you know, I I never told the future, but all I did do was say, you know what? The polls consistently say otherwise. That's all I can tell you. The polls say otherwise. And, um and the polls got it mostly right despite the fact that for some reason um there's a lot of real bad press about the polls this time around they didn't you know they didn't hit the mark with the Senate well but, um, I
0: think I think that the poll the people who are the you know these these um these people who, who who live and breathe the polls I think they were a little bit quick with their summary of the polls they didn't wait until all of these mail-in ballots were counted right I yeah, had a Gut feeling. True, really. I had a gut feeling all along that there was going to be an amazing amount of mail-in ballots. And there were. We, we, there see, were. we see how long it took to count them. So I was yeah. pretty calm. Um,
1: had you heard about what they called the red mirage before yes. the vote happened? I had not heard about that. I only heard about it afterwards. And um it's like, oh what a perfect description that is. Yeah. That's yeah. what it was, yeah. because for the first several days it just looked red, and I couldn't believe that there were still people saying you know, um, they're still counting votes in Pennsylvania, and I'm like, Pennsylvania? Trump is ahead by a mile in Pennsylvania, and in Georgia? But Trump's ahead by a mile in yeah. Georgia. But he won them both. It actually happened. You know, he snuck up by those mail-in votes.
0: I, I had a gut feeling all along. I was relatively calm. I was doing, um, gosh, I did, I did a lot of media the week of the election, uh, leading up to it, and then a couple of days afterwards. I was on a radio program uh, with NRK, and the lady who was interviewing me kind of tried to to push me into that fatalistic uh, Trump is going to win look how much look how far ahead he is in in Michigan in Georgia in Pennsylvania yeah. and I okay, stuck to my right. but I stuck to my guns I said you got to wait nobody no. is comfortable right now but but you have to wait because these mail in ballots are going to be it, there's going to be a phenomenal amount and, no, no. and And sure enough, that's exactly what happened.
1: Sure enough, you know. I was actually very unusual for me, but I was actually watching Fox and CNN back and forth. So was I. While the whole thing was happening. And Fox went out on a limb and actually gave Biden Arizona.
0: They gave Biden. Anybody else did. Yeah, I was just going to say they gave Biden Arizona long before CNN did.
1: Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I thought that was interesting. And then they had they felt like they had to defend it. And they did. They had they had, you know, sound reasoning behind it. And of course, they were right. So, yeah. so well, it's going to
0: be it's going to be quite interesting to see what happens with Fox when they no longer have Trump as a figurehead. We'll see what yeah. happens. Who, who are they going to worship now?
1: Yes, yeah, right. But, but, but you good question you can't you can't worship Mitch McConnell.
0: Right? <laughs> oh gosh, that guy. Oh, that's a whole podcast in itself. Mm-hmm. Mitch McConnell. Mm-hmm. You, you said something a couple a uh, couple minutes ago. You said you're not really in a position to discuss these political things uh, quite often with Norwegians. That's how, right. How, how, how so?
1: Uh, because I'm not, I'm not in places where I chat with Norwegians very much at all. Um, wow. You may know that I work at the American Lutheran Church here in Oslo. I'm the organist there. Yes. So that's just all almost entirely Americans. And also, I just don't. When I'm there, I just don't spend much time chatting with people. I go in. We have a short rehearsal with the choir. We play the service. Maybe I go downstairs for coffee, but we haven't been having coffee hour for months because of you know social distancing. Um, and then in the rest of my life, especially since the pandemic started, I just am not in a, a situation where I am chatting much with Norwegian folks.
0: So you're, you're fairly isolated then. Yeah, I guess you could
1: say that. I mean, I have my circle of friends and a couple of them are Norwegian, but they're so... Uh, one thing I notice about my group of friends relative, compared to things I read on Facebook pages like Americans in Norway is that my group of friends... Of, of personal friends, Norwegian or otherwise, are very internationally focused. Okay. Um, they tend to speak English perfectly fluently, so I communicate in English all the time with all of them. Oh, they do you? Travel okay. inter- Yeah, they tend to travel internationally all the time. Okay. And um, I to teach, to give concerts, you know. Um, And so, yes, yeah, so it's a very, it's really a very broad and international outlook that i share among my friends um and so i'm a little bit surprised sometimes when people describe uh you know the bulk of the norwegian folks that they know from work or from their town um and maybe out on the west coast of norway um in a fairly isolated area folks seem to be quite different out there um, than what i'm used
0: to you you live in oslo correct Pretty much in yeah. the middle, in the middle of Oslo. Or are you on the- Yeah,
1: right out, right out that window is Bishlit Stadium.
0: Okay, yeah, yeah,
1: if, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so we're very, very, um, yeah, basically downtown. I can walk to the palace in five minutes. Right?
0: Well, I live in, a, I live in a big city now, but most of my time in Norway has been out uh, in the districts. First uh, in hudem if you're familiar where that is. And then, uh, and then most recently up, up north in Finnmark and, and North okay. And I tell you, oh, cool. out, out in the districts, especially up north, it's just a totally, well, not totally, but it's a drastically different way of mm-hmm. life up there.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah I get that uh, impression.
0: Much less international. But at the same time, depending on where you find yourself out in the districts, it can be much more uh, accepting of us as these strange creatures called Americans. Oh, okay.
1: Yeah. That's my that's well, my experience. You know, yeah. As I as I may have told you when we chatted, you know, a couple of days ago, um my my expat experience as a musician, specifically right now as a choral singer, um meant that I met a whole bunch of just other musicians immediately after moving to Oslo. And we have that as a common language, which, which just annihilated any other significant differences. This is a thing I'm pretty good at as a choral singer. I was a professional in New York city and, you know, I'm a good singer and a really good sight reader. So I'm kind of a, a natural leader in these circumstances. I immediately joined two choirs here in Oslo and, um, and, just knew what I was doing, yeah. added to the group yeah. effort. So, um, well,
0: that mu- the whole thing with music is it truly is an international language. I have the same experience, uh, with my musician friends. Most of my friends are musicians and stand up comedians. And I okay. tell you, and, and they are the most, it, it's it's a, it's a true family atmosphere where yeah. one finds acceptance through that common thread, which is music or performance, you know, in the case of, right. of stand up comedians, right. it's a, and it's yeah. a great community to belong with, yeah. to belong to. Yeah. Absolutely. And then especially yeah. with you being in Oslo. What 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 a great music town! Drammen, where I am, is a great music town. But also, oh, you're in Drammen, okay, okay. Yeah, I'm in Drammen, and I say, unfortunately, oh, I want to get back out in the country. I tell you, I'm not, I'm not a city person, not at all. Yes, you know what? I was
1: listening to, I listened to half of um, of uh, your interview with Eirik.
0: Another stand-up comedian? Erik yeah, Sørvik yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. Quite, quite a long interview. I listened to
1: part of that, and you said that you were uh, not a city boy, and that was
0: interesting to me. It's like, oh, okay. No, oh. I am uh, born born and raised out in the country in Ohio, and then uh, uh, coming here to Norway and spending so much time up north, that's where my heart is, up in northern mm. Norway. That's okay. you know, way out there in the middle of nowhere. Things are quiet. You know everybody. That's more my speed. Yeah. Um, it's great living where I am now, uh, because of my music, you know, because of my opportunities to get on stage. That that's that's a good thing. But uh, hmm. uh, if I could have that out in the district s- somewhere, I would I would be a much happier person.
1: Okay, yeah, yeah. But but really, <laughs> I assume you have to be. I assume you have to be somewhere pretty urban to have many opportunities to that, do. Stand-up. And
0: that is true. That is true. Um, when I when we were living up north, I was so out of the loop. Um, well, actually I, I take that back. I did, I got a lot of writing gigs while I was up North and that you can oh, do. Over. Kind of writing gigs. What are you oh, wow, man. I'm, um, I do a lot of songwriting for a lot of different bands. I've probably got at least 150 songs that are uh, published, you know, on, on albums for other artists. I wow. don't know how much I'm allowed to say, but I am currently in a writing uh, project with Jonas Fjeld. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hope he doesn't listen to this and get angry. But but, uh, <laughs> well, and I can say this: I have written already one song for Jonas Fjeld that's been put out. Um, okay. Cool. So it, it's an advantage being a a, a musician who has a hovid, uh, a hoved uh, a main focus i'm sorry i'm mixing norwegian with english yes, a main you are. a main focus <laughs> a main focus on the the as a lyricist as a, as a songwriter and uh. norwegian artists who want to write english li- I have have english lyrics come to me and i and i write for them so uh-huh. that's cool. that's a lot of fun i wrote a, uh, oh, i wrote nice. i wrote a country album for a norwegian artist and i'm not a I, I don't. I don't know the slightest thing about country music, but I wrote a country oh. album, so I, I'm okay. all about. I'm all about stretching myself out and taking that, uh, taking that step into the unknown. No,
1: that's hey. neat. Did you listen to a lot of country music when you were doing that to get the feel for?
0: Well, no. Um, I basically just listened to that artist's. Um, you know, little sketches of songs that he had sent me, that he wanted. Okay. So, so the feeling okay. was already there in the pieces of music that he sent me. So yeah. then was just putting my mind into this, because I wanted the album, I wanted the lyrics to be a story, a thread going through the song. So it's just putting my, you know, put on a cowboy hat mentally and start writing. And it worked, oh, yeah, it, it, was, it was a hit, yeah, cool. so yeah. So so we share that in common, that, uh, that music thing in our life. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah you do it's almost it's almost my entire
1: life now
0: because you're you're playing you're playing at the, the the Lutheran church in Oslo you are i play
1: right I play at the american at the American Lutheran Church here in Oslo um and uh, uh that's actually a secondary job as far as income um every year I actually make most of my income playing funerals in the uh-huh. Um, in the various oh, Fentley, what's the um,
0: official, uh, official um, um, right uh, or, or sort of public or public, uh,
1: municipal yeah. graveyards yeah. around around Oslo, which there are maybe five. Each has its own chapel with a nice, you, you know, a, a, a nice or not so nice organ, but anyway. That's where these are the places where most of the funerals and also ha- happen and um, though I don't have a contracted job I' I sit at the very top of the substitute list when they' uh-huh. when they need a substitute so um, so sometimes I'm very busy and well, sometimes less so but um, I would imagine actually provides two-thirds of my
0: income I would imagine that's very lucrative, and when you say it provides such a large amount of your, of your income, I'm sure it is uh, lucrative.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty lucrative. Yeah. I, I mean, um, for, for time involved.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I I was invited or asked rather to to sing at three weddings. Uh, no, I'm sorry, not weddings. Uh, funerals.
1: <laughs> mm, them all same time. thing. Same thing. I don't know.
0: <laughs> I, I've been asked to sing at, at, at three funerals, uh, and I just did a um, like an a cappella gospel song type of mm. thing, and I did it for free. These were for friends, and mm. I got a tip from uh, a mus- musician friend of mine. I never did anything with this this advice, but he strongly advised me to somehow market that because he was talking about how lucrative it can be to perform and especially you know this you know I'm a, a black guy singing gospel at a Norwegian mm-hmm. funeral you know people mm-hmm. that's a little special that's a little different it's yeah, different yeah. No, that would be that would be very cool especially since uh you know what
1: they use some of the more common American spiritual yes. songs yeah. in um in Norwegian funerals. It's not they uncommon do. at all. They do um yeah so uh, so there could be a market for that. There um, could be,
0: like I said, acapella. Uh, you know, I'm 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 raised in, in in a black church, and that comes through in the performance, which makes mm-hmm. it a little bit different than what uh, they're used to here in Norway.
1: Yeah, uh, I think when I when I play, especially Amazing Grace, which comes up in in Norwegian funerals all the time, in English, but I think I play it like an American with some extra jazz chords and so. And, a, you know, a, a transposition into a higher key halfway through. And, yeah.
0: so, so where'd you get your music background? Have you studied music or is this just something? Oh, yeah, you, okay.
1: yeah I, um, I, uh, I've, I studied piano since I was nine, which actually is kind of late for somebody who ends up as a professional keyboard player. Um, and then cello from about age 13 and voice starting when I was in college. And then each one has sort of been the top one for some period of my life. For a number of years after college, it was singing. Um, mostly, mostly actually in churches. Uh, I, um, I was singing up up front at the podium in the national shrine of the Immaculate Conception in Washington, DC, in St. Patrick's Cathedral on fifth Avenue in New York city
0: at the United Nations
1: uh, church. I had some really high profile, um, singing gigs, those are church. some,
0: those are some very high profile gigs. Yeah, that wow. was cool. And there was, there was TV stuff too. Yeah.
1: Um, and it was, boy, did I ever cut my teeth? Cause I was in my mid twenties doing that. And that's where I gained enormous confidence as a sight reader. Because these are very professional atmospheres, yeah. and music is happening very fast in these larger cathedrals. You know, you're handed the music, and you're expected to perform it on TV tomorrow at noon. No <laughs> rehearsal, except for a, except for a run-through right before the service. You're just expected to make it work, and um, yeah we did you
0: know those of us who i were doing i that. I, ha- I used to have a decent amount of ability to read but uh man i've i've lost that and it was and i yeah, was self-taught did. i was self-taught i've never studied music no, um right. i and and i i wish if i could go back and redo that part of my life i would study music because i yeah. love it it's in my heart and soul i enjoy Playing around with it, I enjoy performing, and I think I would have some extra chops if I knew Mm -hmm. my theory, if I could read music. I feel like I feel like I'm missing something.
1: Yeah, Yeah, well, because you would be able to like open some old hymnal um, that you found in a bookshop and you find some gems in there that you've never heard before and never would hear. But, um, but you know, that's where this information is stored. Yeah. yeah. Um, now,
0: now I could do that. I could take an old hymnal and sit down at the piano and I could hammer it out Mm. But I'm talking mm. about using, you know, g- give me give me a total of maybe 36 hours to work through one song by, re- okay. by reading, yes, okay. and then I could do yeah. it. So that's, okay. that's no, the level no. of my reading right now.
1: Right, okay. So we're in different camps because, you know, because I can just open the thing, completely never seen it, and play it exactly, exactly as it's written, and hopefully about halfway through the first verse, understand the style so well, that I can then modify and, you know, and just really play
0: it. Well, if we were a a duo and we were trying to book something, we couldn't do that 24-hour turnaround you were talking about. We <laughs> would probably we would need a little more time for me. I think I'd be holding back <laughs> because I
1: would I would make a I would make some kind of video for you of me just singing in a plain way the melody, and you could get it in your ear right away and, and
0: we could do it. Yeah, day. yeah. Everything I do is by ear, it's by feel, it's by heart when it comes to music. And and there's something about that because I do enjoy it and I have been mildly successful with it uh, but it's just that I feel like I'm missing that little that little something yeah, yeah. because I can't read yeah. and I and I uh and I don't know my theory like I should.
1: Yeah, um, it would add a level of security to your at least to your earliest rehearsals when you're working yeah, on something if you could right. if you could read. Yeah. You know. ah. it makes makes a difference. Oh. And I, you know, I depend on it so much because I <laughs> Saying this for the public, I never practice. I okay, just go really? in and do it. yeah. yeah. Um, but people who do you know people who do music in sort of the you know in sort of the realm that I'm in,
0: we have a tendency to do
1: that. There's very yeah. little actual rehearsal
0: yeah. going on for., yeah.
1: for church services or for you know weddings or funerals, yeah, just rare.
0: My first uh, my first band I ever played with uh, here in Norway. This is going back to like 2004, 2005. Uh, we actually played quite a bit. Um, these are guys who, um, I, I, don't, I want to give a shout out to Knut Ingolf Brenna, who is one of the best guitarists I've ever heard in Norway. And this guy is, uh, he's well learned. He knows, he, he reads. Uh, he went to, uh, I cannot remember the name of the school, but some sort of music school in Kristiansand uh, here oh, in okay. Norway. Um, he was, he was the guitarist. There was a bass player, uh, Thomas Fritz, who is also a fantastic musician, multi-instrumentalist, very good at reading, uh, and and then a, a couple other guys in this band. And I remember, and I was the one who was coming with the music. I had written all of the songs, all of my solo songs. So I bring it to these guys so that we can I can turn it into a live project. And uh-huh. I, I guess it, it really hit me in the face in, in a positive way. How I was missing that theoretic background, that 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 yeah. that scholarly background when it comes to music, because yeah. those guys took a yeah. song that I already <laughs> liked and, and was already good, and they just lifted it, uh, you know, th- yeah, yeah. a it couple notches higher because they know, and they yeah. throw in a suggestion about a chord change or about mm-hmm. an arrangement and whatnot, and it's yeah. just uh, yeah.
1: You know, it makes a difference. It, it does
0: a, make a difference. It, a difference.
1: it also it also speeds up the process. You know, when oh, you're absolutely. working with professionals who really know, absolutely. really know what they're doing, you can get to a very good project very. I mean, a very good product very quickly.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. so it's uh, that that's that's one part of your life. This uh, this music. Uh, this music world we're talking about now. You are also something of a of an artist. I've seen some paintings that you've done.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that you had uh, liked a couple paintings on Facebook. You're, um, talent, you're talented guy.
0: you so well, thank I, you. You've posted some good works there, man. That's some good uh, well, pieces of art. Yeah, thanks. You know, it
1: has been this has been the the silver lining uh, on the pandemic for me because um, I painted with a lot of interest and passion and a lot of personal study in the early nineties when I was right around the age of 30 Um, and loved it and put and did manage to paint some pictures that I still really like. And then in 1995, I completely stopped for no particular reason. I just stopped and I didn't pick it up again until March of this year. I've been talking about it for several years, but I, but um, that's
0: a long layoff. Twenty-five years,
1: yeah. Um, uh, but I've been talking about it, and then when the when the actual lockdown hit in mid-March, it was like, well, what am I going to do? You know, because yeah, we were basically just locked here in the apartment all the time, and so I got out, literally got out the paints, the twenty-five-year-old paints from my old paint box that I've been dragging around
0: because okay that's good that you let me just jump in here real quick i'm so glad you said that because my wife used to paint um shout out to my wife snoopy hello snoopy if you're listening she used to paint (laughs) and here maybe two or three weeks ago i voiced my desire to start painting myself So she pulls out all of her old stuff and she says, okay, here you go. Here's my paint. And my first thought, I didn't say this to her, but my first thought was, this stuff's like 20, 30 years old. Is this paint Mm -hmm, any good? But it is. I can still use it. It is.
1: It's such a surprise, right? And you can get that cap (laughs) off, which sometimes takes two wrenches and two people to get it off. But it's usually fine inside. So every picture I have painted, 16 pictures since March. Wow. Um, productive! I have. Yeah, there's a bit of a lot of whipping them out. Um, I've been painting with um, with these old paints that are it's now oil you know, got oil based. Tw- oil oil paints, yeah. They've got to be probably twenty eight years old because they weren't. You know, I didn't just buy them the day I stopped painting. I had had them for a few years. So yeah, that's amazing. They're still fine in those well, tubes.
0: Well, if if I don't get anything else out of this podcast, I, at least I know I can go ahead and use Snoopy's paint. So thank you, you can, <laughs> you
1: can, and yeah. the old brushes.
0: Yeah, she's she's got all this and it's very dated. Uh it's this old uh box. I don't know what it was used for originally, uh but but not for art supplies. You can tell it's something from like the thirties and forties and okay. you can just feel you can feel there's some history in this yeah. So eventually mm-hmm. I'm gonna pull it out and I'm gonna start painting. Mm-hmm. I've never done it before. Have you
1: ever have you ever done anything like that before? I have never before.
0: I have never painted uh before. Um but I, I just wanna try it. I might yeah. fall flat on my face but I just want to try it. I want to mm-hmm. have fun while I try it. So we'll see.
1: Well, cool. see. well good luck. Good luck cuz I I'll tell you I find it really fun really rewarding and my brain gets to a kind of level of deep concentration when I'm doing that. That's what I'm looking for. I don't think it gets to in any other way. And that's part of when I was reading about being a painter about how, you know, tricks to play in your own mind to do a good job, how not to paint your idea of the tree, but paint what you're actually looking at. How does it actually look? What color is it really? What shape is it really? Because it's not the color and shape that you think in your head. It's something else. You know? That's a good the trunk of, of the it. tree is not brown, it's sort of grey and green. And, you know, the, the shadowy part of the leaves, they're not really green. They're sort of this reddish purple color, you know, and, yeah, yeah. Um, and you discover all this stuff which really opens your eyes in real life. But it also puts you into a super deep level of concentration where you don't want to be interrupted. You know, you're, you are really in a zone. When I'm, you're doing it
0: right, I was thinking there's some sort of Zen-like awareness or lack of awareness in that thing. In other words, it's, it, I would seem it would seem like you're you're um, you know, like you said, don't paint what you think it is, paint what it is. And if you're going to paint what it is, that means you have to be right here, right now. Right, and that's you have right. To, right that and you mm-hmm. have to block out distraction. You have to right. see the, yeah. the true essence of what it is that you're painting. And there's just that's something right. there's something relaxing. I'm looking to be relaxed.
1: It, is, it can be very relaxing. Yeah, and I'm and looking for that. One, one way you can really tell you've been in the zone when you're painting is that time slips away like nothing else I've ever done in my life. I can sit there working for 20 minutes on, on a painting and look up and know it's been an hour and a half, you know, and wow. I have no idea. It just vanished.
0: Well, you're quite quite productive to have done so many paintings in such a short period of time now during the pandemic. Um,
1: well, you know, I have a lot of time <laughs> and I'm pretty inspired, but yeah. also I am uh, one of my goals now is because I want to be able to paint landscapes. I want to be able to paint landscapes that I like, but I just know that I, as an artist, am going to be somebody who turns out paintings quickly because I just... That's how I want to do it. I want to keep it brushy. I want to make an effect in a quick way with the brush that looks real and looks right to me, but that is not labored. And it's not really, um, takes a lot of time.
0: That's kind of how I approach my songwriting or at least the the lyrical side of, of my songwriting. I don't like it to be, for the most part when I write a lyric, the first draft is it. I don't like to go back and rethink oh. it because I, this is what I wrote because this is what I was thinking and feeling at that mm-hmm. time. Why, yeah. why, why would I want to change that?
1: Right. You know, that beginning inspiration sometimes hits hits the mark amazingly yep. well.
0: Yep. So I see, I see mm. some similarities between writing and painting and I just want to explore that. Okay. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, uh, what was I about to say? I was going, Oh yes. I was going to say, well, a similar part of my life when I was conducting a high school choir, sort of an inner city high school choir in, uh, North Manhattan at a Catholic girls high school, we made a couple CD recordings and as we were making those recordings and then later I went back to edit, it was interesting how often the first take was the one we went with. You know, and maybe I thought there was a little glitch here or maybe I thought there was a little something that could be fixed over there and we would do it a second or maybe a yeah. third time. And then I would listen. It's like, nope, it was well, the first one. That was the one.
0: I am a believer in that uh, approach to, to music recording as well. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I have I have a lot of uh, musical influences and, and heroes. Um, uh, Prince is probably my biggest musical hero. Uh, Stevie Wonder. Um, yeah. And people, when they think of people like that, they're thinking they are more refined, uh, you know, a, a deeper uh, effort at uh, at uh, top production. But then on the other mm. side, I love Neil Young. And he's yeah, notorious, yeah. especially in his heyday in the mid-70s, notorious for going in and... well, You can hear it in those recordings of his um, uh, production-wise. If you listen close, especially with headphones, you can hear mic bumps, you know, he's it yes, into yes, the so, mic, yeah, and, so, yeah. and, and sometimes you can hear him saying things. You know, we're switching to D. You know, the chord changes and stuff. Okay, exactly. cool. And, and I, I just love that. It's such a raw approach. And you know, the first take yeah. is the take. The first take yeah, is right, the only right. take. Yeah. Um, yeah. For those who are listening, go and um, go on his. Ah, what is that album? Um, Homegrown is the album. I got I I can't remember the name of the song now. This. Let's see. Hold on. I'm going to tell people something really cool here. Let me just pull this up. Um, Homegrown. Uh, There's the album. And the song, Separate Ways, of course. Neil Young's song, Separate Ways, from his Homegrown uh, album, which was recorded in 73, I believe it was. But just recently released. He sat it on the shelf for, 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 for decades until maybe six months ago, he, he put it out. And on that song, you, it it has a very strange beginning. It's like halfway, like halfway on a note. It, 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 you know, it it comes on like that. And the story Mm, is, the, the story is that, um, uh, Neil Young, as I said, he had this very organic approach to his, Recording, you know, just push record and record everything. Well, on that okay. song, the engineer hadn't pushed record, and he oh, literally okay. sprinted across the control oh, no. and right, put his man. finger on record okay. after <laughs> they right. had already played a couple of notes yeah. on the song. Okay. So there's that there's that raw production so, style. <laughs> yes,
1: yes, right. Do you listen to much or any classical music?
0: Ah. Uh, you know, I used to, um, surprisingly enough, when I was uh, active duty U.S. Marines, when I was in Okinawa, I listened to classical music. Yeah. Uh, huh. I had an Okinawan friend um, who was a classical music aficionado, and he gave me all kinds of CDs with uh, with some of the strangest... Have you ever heard of Kitaro? He's a no, Japanese so. mu- musician. He's more... If you could take classical music and put it into modern times,
1: okay, um, that's right. what I know he's. Doing. I the yeah. style. Yeah, so his name In is. In fact, H- I may, I may indeed know that. Okay, know yeah. That. Uh, okay.
0: So, so from from listening to to you know regular classical, you know truly classical uh, music, it kind of brought me forward into this modern classical style. But I've mm-hmm. since since I've been away from Okinawa, I've kind of kind of dropped it.
1: Okay. Well, the reason, the main reason I asked was just because you were talking about, I think it was Neil Young, yeah. who you can hear talking in the background. Yeah. Um, if you've heard of the pianist Glenn Gould, have you ever, ever heard of him? No. He's an American uh, uh, pianist, a very eccentric guy, really very famous in his circle from no. like the 1950s. Um, put out lots of albums, uh, especially lots of Bach. But what's interesting and weird about his albums if you is if you're just lying, you know, on the couch, listening to him play Bach, you can clearly hear him singing along and mumbling, oh. and he's famous for this. I was in college the first time I heard it, and it completely freaked me out because I didn't know it was it, that he had a reputation of doing this and I was alone in my bedroom listening to this thing, and it felt like there was somebody else in the room singing along, wow. you know, my eyes, my eyes flew open, it's like, what the hell am I hearing? <laughs> wow. And it's just him recorded on the album, singing along with his own <laughs> So he you
0: know, was like really really feeling it then Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. He's uh, he was a very eccentric character, I think, you know, he might start raving mad at the end of his life But yeah.
0: I strongly suggest um, that you check out guitar, I can send it to you afterwards there's a link uh, where you can go on YouTube and watch his performance of uh, it's almost like an opera uh, where this guy is performing and he's very physical. Uh, he's, cool. he's, he's mainly on the keyboards and then he has his band members, but he's very physical and gesticulating as he plays. And he had this long, uh, long black hair, almost down to his ankles and just, Okay. yeah, So it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's a visual as well, as well as an auditory experience yeah. to watch him. The,
1: Did you say he's Japanese? Or? Japanese,
0: uh, K-I-T-A-R-O, Kitaro. Yeah. No. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll send you, I'll send you a link to the, to the YouTube performance. Yeah, yeah. do that Would be cool. Yeah. No, I, um, I don't know. Music is, music is in me. Performance is in me, whether it's music or doing stand up or doing this podcast. I just like uh, these different forms of, of self expression.
1: Mm, yeah. Well, obviously that's a big part of my life too, yeah. especially as especially as a musician because I perform professionally on four different instruments. You know, yeah. piano, organ, cello, and and voice and the four of them have given me this huge range of, of different kinds of, of stage experiences.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: solo in every type, small ensemble in every type, large ensemble in every type. You know, I sang with the Philharmonic choir for a number of years. I've played with, played cello with large orchestras. Um, I have played keyboard in fairly large orchestras. So, uh, just lots of a very you know a very dense wealth of experience
0: so when you came to
1: different kinds of music
0: so when you came yeah. to Norway did you know you were going to be working with these things or were you unsure about I what I did I did so no, that was a plan no, no, no. I, that was a plan from yeah, the get go
1: there was a plan from before the get go i uh, <laughs> before the get go I had set up these auditions with the Philharmonic Choir and with Vestra Acker Comer Corps, uh, both here and also before we moved, oh. um, because somehow I knew that if, you know, if my expat experience in a country where, where English is not the main language, if it was going to work, for me i needed to get involved in something that i knew i was good at yeah. right from the beginning and also where i would meet a whole lot of people and that was something that was just great about that experience was that i lived in in and also for six weeks, and already I could barely walk into a grocery store or a restaurant in also without knowing somebody. Because, you know, the Philharmonic choir is about 100 people. That's your offer, of course, um, about 40. So there's 140 people I suddenly know instantly who recognize me. You know, the, Amer- the new American baritone. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So, yes, lots of acquaintances right off the bat really changed my, any feeling of isolation I might've had.
0: Um, well, and that is, uh, that's alpha and omega when it comes to success, uh, in Norway. Uh, so many of us who have come here, you know, things have been going pretty smooth for, for me. I fell into a job opportunity almost immediately when I came here, but I do know that that's not the case for a majority mm. of us. It yeah, seems like right. the majority oh. of us are coming here and there's a period of struggle, a longer mm. or shorter period of, of struggle. Mm. Uh, I, I think personality plays a lot. And I don't want to, I don't want to insult anyone, but I, uh, yeah, personality. How do I say this? I believe those who are more outgoing, uh, you seem to be the outgoing type. You seem to be the one who's not going to be shy about approaching people and speaking and, and, and letting yourself be heard and be known. And I think that you, that is a big you know, thing to have in your corner if you're going to be successful here in Norway.
1: Yeah, well, I definitely think I have that kind of confidence. You know, yeah. I lived twenty twenty years in New York City, and, you know, if you're going to make any kind of life for yourself in New York City, you just have got to be somewhat aggressive.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And, um, and so, yeah, so, you know, and it's part of my personality. Are
0: you it's born in New really, York?
1: No. Um, I was... Uh, as a small child, I lived in upstate New York, in Utica, New York. Utica. And then actually grew up outside of Washington, D.C. My father worked for General Electric, um, selling radar to the Naval Air Program. So he was in and out of the Pentagon um, for those years, you know, between – I was between 7 and 18. Um, yeah, so that's where I grew up, really, in okay. Midland, Virginia.
0: Now, uh, did you – what is it that made you want to come to Norway? Is your spouse Norwegian?
1: Yeah, yeah, he's Norwegian. In fact, he was born a couple blocks from where we live now.
0: So how so? How did you guys meet? Tell the story about how you guys met in in the United States. He uh, he was
1: getting a late in life um, master's degree at Baruch College in Manhattan. Ever heard of it?
0: No, no.
1: Yeah, and so they have a, they have a good uh, master's program in business. He okay. was he's four years older than I am. And so I guess he was 44. Um, So he was in his 40s when he was getting his master's program. Um, And then he had graduated and he wanted to stay in New York for a while looking for a job. Uh, And we met on Match.com okay yes yeah. on match.com i i felt for a while like i should be the match.com gay poster boy because i had so <laughs> much so much success through that site which i guess you can have if um if you live in a huge urban area where the pool is enormous um but because one thing
0: that, no i'm sorry go ahead go ahead one thing that
1: match Tries or tried to do was actually to match you up based on personality characteristics and you know just think interests, and all of that stuff. And I got so many matches that were ninety-nine percent in New York City, but that's just not going to that's just not going to happen in other you know in other places (laughs) in the world. You know, you're lucky to find two people with seventy percent. You know,
0: that's not going to happen in my hometown of Norton, Ohio. That's for sure. (laughs) No,
1: right? See, so right, so yeah, so we met that way after. Uh, and we, you know, hit it off really right away.
0: But Uh, meeting meeting someone online, that's not scary. It wasn't scary to you at all.
1: No, no, And and let
0: me be clear. I'm not against it. If it works, it works. And I see that it works. But for me personally, Mm I, you know, I'm married. I've got my, I've got Snoopy. I don't need to do those kind of things. But if I were out there. I would be scared to death of meeting someone. you
1: okay, you know what people have such different relationships to this.,
0: yeah. I just feel completely the opposite. Really? I mean I have no inhibitions, well, no worries at all. Uh, yeah, no really yeah, no
1: inhibitions or worries.
0: But think about this for a second. You know, you and I
1: met online, you know we're that's true. This, we're having this conversation.
0: And it's like, you know what's what is scary about that? So you know, you know what, you meet that's a true. That's true.
1: You meet the person face to face after you know after you've had some kind of communication and and uh, for for me and Trond um, we had a month of lots of written communication before we okay. actually met and it turns out that he is a really really good writer in English you know um, you yeah, know perfect first of all just perfect English his yeah. English. Is perfect. Yeah. Um, but also he's just a creative, you know, intelligent guy. He can really express himself. So after this month of communicating that way, you know, I kind of knew how the inside of his head worked and knew right. it's, right. this is probably going to work well. Okay. So, um, and it did obviously <laughs> 17 years later, you know,
0: well, 17 years. Congratulations. Yeah. yeah thanks. It's <laughs> uh, unfortunately not a lot of people that make it that long. People, yeah, I know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, i don't I don't know. I, maybe I need to think about it differently because you you kind of you hit on something there. you know, and when I think about it, most of my podcast guests are people whom I've never spoken with before I spoke with them on the podcast. Uh,
1: and right.
0: an unusually large number of them. I'm on my this will be the eighty ninth or ninetieth episode. Uh, with you and a majority of these people I actually consider them friends now some of them some of them I communicate with daily so I guess that's I don't know why should that be any different than meeting a potential romantic interest online?
1: I truly don't think it is I truly don't you know
0: Um, see and there you go this is why I do my podcast I'm trying to learn new stuff and that right there you you, 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 kind of hit on something that I hadn't really thought of in depth before
1: Right. And um, I guess like you, I and Trond have made a number of very close lifelong friends just which started out as just random people. Who also commented on some mutual friends' Facebook post. And then, you know, you have something in common, or you get into some kind of interesting debate, which then grows into something else. And then you become Facebook friends
0: yourself, and blah, blah, blah. And um, And there's the beauty of social media. There's the beauty of it.
1: Well, I also related to what you said at the very beginning about social media being important for us expats to keep in close contact with folks back home, which is exactly how I used it. I um, I signed up for Facebook within a few months of moving here in 2008. Okay. okay. Um, and it, you know, it's been great for me. It's just been great um, getting, staying in touch with people back home and also exactly like you said, Um, finding old friends or old acquaintances from school and um, either rekindling old friendships or starting completely new ones with people that I didn't really connect with in school that do connect with now. So, you know, I've had all those experiences.
0: And there's something beautiful about that. Uh, There's something uh, to be said for social media because things like that would not happen if not for social media. Um, That's right. That's right. You know, a lot of people use it for the wrong thing, but many of us are using or finding some sort of uh, comfort or some sort of uh, an avenue to a betterment in our life through social media.
1: Yeah, Yeah, It absolutely works that way for me. It has worked that way. And when I start listing in my head the number of good friends who I have met um, through different kinds of social media... Who, you know, you find some kind of connection online and then it turns out that the connection is even equally strong or stronger in person and you have a
0: new really good friend. A good example Um, of that, um, a good example of that is uh, probably was for a couple of years I would chat from time to time back and forth. With, uh, with Tiffany, Tiffany, you, you've you had some episodes with her.
1: <laughs> yes, Tiffany, Tiffany Troutman,
0: of course, of course. <laughs> and, and, uh, and then that, that, for me, that turned into a, I look at her like a sister. I call her my sister, yeah. Sister Tiffy. Okay. Uh, yeah. You know, she's been here to our home. She hit it off real well with Snoopy, and we do... Um, we need to bring back the Tiffy Tuesday. We had a Tiffy Tuesday series on my podcast. Oh, to... God. Oh, my gosh. I had to go find some of those. I tell you, it's it's uh, that right there. Shout out to Tiffany Troutman. That right there, and I'm getting chills as I say this because I truly mean this. Uh, she or my friendship with her is an example of the good that social media can, can do. Um, she came at just the right time. Uh, she's a little harsh. She, she, she's, she's a little outspoken, but, uh. but she has uh, on the other side of that or, or infused in that harshness and that boldness is, is a soft heart, um, uh, an incredible sense of humor. And it, it's something that lifts me up every little interaction I have with her, whether it's a quick chat online or whether she's here doing a podcast episode with me. Uh, You know, and that stuff, I wouldn't feel that if it wouldn't have been for social media, because I never would have met her her otherwise. So, uh, social media is not so bad. It's not. No, not so bad at
1: all. Have you ever met Rick Sherman? There's a famous, famous name. You know what?
0: You know what? Rick is also somebody. He's one of those people through social media who I... Uh, admire and, and he makes me curious. I'm gonna ask him to be on my podcast. I love his mm, I love no, his thought process. He seems extremely right, intelligent. Exactly. He's yeah. very funny. I love his mm. sense of humor as well and and he's gonna I'm gonna invite him on my podcast Absolutely. Yeah, no,
1: that's that's my experience of him too. We've been you know Facebook friends and had just a little bit of private communication through through the years and okay. yeah he's just one of these really smart, really good hearted and very funny.
0: People, yeah, I think. Yeah. yeah. He seems like a. I'm he seems like. Person. He seems like a great guy. A great, a great story about Rick. Oh my God! What was <laughs> it?
1: It was so funny. I posted something. I posted something on Facebook, and he's a personal friend by this point. Um, oh, I wish I could remember what it was because I won't be able to tell the story very well. But it it had something to do with. Um. Either a little bit of money I'd lost or something I'd bought and paid too much for or something, you know, I couldn't remember. Some small amount of money was involved in my Facebook post. Uh And a, a little while later, my phone chimed, and it was a message from VIPs and ah. rick sherman had sent me the amount just randomly out of nowhere he had i didn't know he had you know how did he get my phone number well he just found it he just got this silly idea it's like i'm gonna send him that isn't
0: that something <laughs> wow it was hilarious.
1: It was hilarious but you <laughs>
0: know what that i i feel that there is you know we who are american expats here we kind of stick together yeah. We, have oh, our, yes, absolutely. we have our little sub society there on social media and we stick together. We do. I see you people, do. you know, answering the call, you know, somebody posts that they're struggling with this, that, or the other, and people come forward and help and, and uh, come, whether it's with advice or whether it's with tangible things like money or, or, or mm-hmm. some sort of tangible assistance. And it's, right. it's, yeah, really, yeah. it's really Something a beautiful, it. yeah, it's really a beautiful thing to see.
1: Well, you know, I'm obviously I'm uh, centrally involved in the American Lutheran Church here, and which also it had you know, it's not just a church; it's also very much a community. Yeah. And um, uh, so I am with expats uh, and quite a variety of expats all the time. People with very different upbringings than I am. People with significantly different political leanings than yeah. I am. Yeah. But there, we all get along really well. Yeah. And, and some of the folks who I respect most and get along with best are folks completely on the other side of the spectrum, yeah. but um, but political spectrum. Yeah, but yeah. Um, but their hearts are so obviously in the right place, and they have the skills to do to do the whatever role they are playing in the church. Um, really well
0: so yeah you know i i've I've never been in spite of all of the craziness that's been going on like i said since uh since uh the inauguration of of president obama and all the way through uh now towards the end of the trump administration i've never been one who looks at you know i'm I'm obviously uh leaning more left of center (laughs) obviously but i've never been one to look at a republican or someone on the right and think automatically that there's something wrong with them or that they are less than or that I should be distrustful of them or hate them.
1: Mm-hmm. However, yeah.
0: however that feeling, that sentiment, that need to dislike, to hate, to to, to 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 distance oneself from the opposite political side is very much alive out there. Oh, yeah. oh my gosh, yes. I, yeah, we are I, so
1: so polarized.
0: But but am I am I out of line? <clears throat> when I say that I truly feel that most of that crazy hatred and dislike and shunning comes from the right.
1: No, it I dare, to, seems say to. I it dare to say that. I dare yeah. to say that. It, it just feels so, it feels so obvious that the, that the most aggressive rhetoric and the most passionate, passionately negative rhetoric comes from the right. I mean, did you see just today um, uh, a uh, you know, a congregation of Trump supporters outside the Capitol building in Georgia, um, denouncing the these are Trump supporters, denouncing the GOP and Georgian uh, and um, Republicans up in Georgia's uh, you know high up in Georgia's political system for allowing the vote to end up you know. I did a see for they consider it some kind of traitor.
0: I haven't situation. seen that. I haven't peeked at the news since uh, yesterday, the middle of yesterday afternoon. So I haven't seen that. But one thing that I did see today was that there is a growing movement on social media uh, on. What is that new um, social media site? Um, Parlor. Parler. Parler. Uh, especially, Parler. Especially there, but also in, in, in more mainstream social media. There's a movement where people on the right are saying, uh, "Don't." it's a new conspiracy theory, don't vote in the Senate runoff in Georgia. Don't do it because it is a, a CIA plot, an FBI plot, and a general left-wing plot to document everyone who... Um, who is who is right leaning? They're saying oh that, there's, and people, people, yeah, exactly. For that God's sake, so and they're saying, and they're, say, and so they're saying, and they're saying things like, uh "Why should we have to vote again? We already had that Senate vote." And they're just totally ignoring the whole process and the whole reason, yeah, yeah, le- yeah, legal yeah. reason, legal reason, and yeah, un- yeah. Un- uncontroversial reason as to why there is another vote, a runoff. Right, they're right, totally yeah. ignoring that, and they're just saying this is a plot. And I'm wondering. Maybe we shouldn't say too much about that. <laughs> no, let's, let's of but it's, it's amazing. It is amazing that that kind of that's the kind of information that is being pushed out there. It's absolutely amazing that that level of acceptance of of, of conspiracy theory is, is yeah, alive and well. Uh, it is yeah, it's it's yeah. fast but I, I truly believe that the, the catalyst for that is Donald Trump. And I do believe that when he is gone, we're gonna see a lot of maybe I'm naive, but we're gonna see a lot of this disappear.
1: Really hoping. Really, really hoping And
0: oh my that, God, if if those two Senate seats go Democrat, I believe that we will have some degree of renaissance in well, <laughs> some some degree of renaissance. I truly- Here's no hoping,
1: here is hoping. Oh my gosh, that would be so great. I have low hopes about that one, but we'll see what happens, you know? <laughs> it would be so great. Oh my let, me ask, let, me know, ask,
0: let me ask, no, I'm sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, what were you gonna say?
1: Oh, I was just thinking uh, another example I have heard of, um, of folks on the right having just very, very foggy ideas about how, how all this works. Is this idea that, oh, just wait until these current, you know, this current um, back and forth with the presidential election gets to the Supreme Court. Wait till it gets to the Supreme Court. I'm like, what's going to get to the Supreme Court? What are you talking about? Right?
0: It's not. This is not Florida in 2000, where there
1: was the one situation in one state, and the entire election revolved on that state. Completely different situation. Right
0: see, now. see. Here's here's the thing. Uh, these these cases uh, that Trump is bringing, Trump and his cohorts are bringing to to court. It's not that there's been any worry that they're going to go through in, in his favor. These judges are calling it out for what it is, a bunch of BS. With yes, no, with no right. foundation in fact whatsoever. Mm, right. you know, no, the no. Ju- judges are using terms like that. You know, no mm-hmm, foundation yeah. in fact whatsoever.
1: Pretty harsh criticism from a judge in, in Pennsylvania yesterday, or the day before. Yes, it, so yeah, Fred, yeah. You know.
0: and, it, and it really, it, I think it's sad that in the face of that rejection, of rhetoric, um, in the face of that rejection of, of, of that movement, how can people still support that man? Mm, And it's a legitimate question. And I try to ask that question, that hypothetical question without any malice or distaste, but I truly cannot understand why people support that man. I don't no, get it. I truly no, don't. No. I've asked I've I, asked people to explain to me <clears> what <throat> is it and no one can give me a straight answer. The, yeah, okay. No. I'd be interested to hear some, well, some people attempt it cuz well, it's just The reason the, the reason why there is no um, right leaning guest on my podcast to date is not because I haven't asked them to come on. Oh, okay. People won't come on. They don't want to have, and I'm not, I mean, I'm a pretty smart guy, but I'm not like one of these professional political pundits. I can't, I'm not going to tear you up, you know, intellectually, you know, I'm just a guy who wants to have a normal conversation about that. Mm -hmm. So they shouldn't, they shouldn't fear, they shouldn't fear coming on here. So I don't think it's fear. I think it's that they know deep inside that they just don't have anything to go on. They don't yeah, have it there's facts. not right yeah yes right
1: there's, there's, there certainly aren't facts uh, aren't uh, uh, facts to support a conservative um, political ideology now in the us well there's a place though.
0: well there's a place but, for conservative political oh, views sure, sure, sure. but, but they yeah. I think they're gone there are no conservative views that have reached the forefront it's all trumpism now. The mm, Repo- yes, right. Yeah, See, the Republican the Party has been taken over and totally overshadowed by Trumpism. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yes. No. It's
0: tragic. Ah. Sad stuff. Sad stuff. Oh, yeah. let's let's walk away from the politics for a second. I want to go back right. to I want to go back to art real quick. That um that profile photo that you have on Facebook. Oh. Excuse, excuse me. Who who painted that?
1: That's a guy named uh uh his last Paul paul c Dell. he's an artist in uh massachusetts somewhere what, he, a, um, yeah. what were you gonna say no i
0: was gonna say what a cool painting
1: it is cool yeah no <laughs> it's 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 one of my favorites but he has done paintings and drawings of me some 30 times now okay um all, all of them from photographs so oh, um, yeah. okay
0: so you're like he's his in you're, you're his in-house model <laughs> One of
1: them, one of them. He, I think he works almost entirely with um, with
0: photographs right
1: now, um, but he, for a while there, he was cranking out another drawing or painting. He works really fast, and one thing that's, what, that has been interesting is that he's finished a painting in a day or two, and it's interesting, and it's kind of quirky, and, um, you know, a lot of imagination, and, you know, I'm part of it. And then two days later, he will significantly have reworked it, so it's a very different painting. Wow. There was one, there was one work that he repainted seven times, and it was very different every time. Not just a, not just little tweaks, huge portions of the canvas yeah. completely changing. Um, of course, that's not how I work as a painter at all, but it's interesting to see him going through that process and. Um,
0: so how is the, how is the market for painting? Have you, have you put your stuff, your stuff out there for sale? Have you put it in a gallery? I
1: haven't. I haven't. Have you, have, not you con- at all. have
0: you considered that? I'm starting
1: to consider it more, more because some people express that they really like my stuff. And it's yes. like, okay,
0: thanks. It's you know. good. It's
1: good art. Um, yeah. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm getting better. Um, but there's also the issue of, I am quite simply out of attractive room to hang things in my house and I don't like too busy a look, so I won't. I won't go overboard. I just start stacking things up against a wall somewhere. Um, and so, if I'm to that point, maybe I should start seeing about selling some things.
0: I think yeah. you'd be. Uh, I think you'd be surprised at the success you'd have because no, uh, you, you got maybe. some good stuff out there.
1: No. no, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I'm working on a tiny little sort of beach scene right now that is coming along so well. It's one of these situations a little bit like we were talking about with music where you you keep the first take. Yeah. You, you know, you stop after just the, the beginning. Yeah. This is one that I will have spent very little time on because I liked it so well. Just just after it got started, so just a few more touches, and I'm going to sign it, and it'll be done. And I have only spent about two and a half hours on this painting. So
0: wow, that's it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Wow, it's, a, it's a good one. You'll see it on Facebook before long.
0: Oh, I'll be I'll be watching for it, man.
1: I'll, okay. <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah.
0: I'll tag you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do that, please. Um, yeah. Acting. I I watched uh, that uh, that little short uh, oh, snippet yeah, from tiny, the. Tiny bit. <laughs> yeah, that was very cool. Um, yeah, thanks. How, how did you how did you get into that?
1: Uh, well, into that show specifically.
0: Uh, into acting in general. Have you have you okay, been in other yeah. have you been in other pieces or, or films? Not
1: since I got, not since I moved to Norway. That came just through a um, an advertisement on one of these Americans in Norway pages. I'm not sure which one yeah. um, that was looking for somebody like me, a native Native American or or English or British English speaker a guy in my age group, you know? So, um, because, because the pandemic was in its first couple months, then there were no face to face auditions. So please just make two short videos where you improvise this basic scene in two different ways. Okay. So I just did that. I did the two videos. I sent it in. I didn't hear anything for months. And I was thinking, well, okay, I mean, yeah, of course, you know, it's totally fine if they went with somebody else. You know, that happens 95% of the time. But it would have been nice to get some kind of an email back from yeah, somebody. Yeah. And then Friday in early June rolls around and I get a phone call. Can you be on the set Monday? It's like, yes. It would have <laughs> been nice to hear yeah. a little something a little bit before now. Um so, yeah, but so I did the gig. It was really fun, really easy, and I was well paid for it. So I've never done any acting like that before, which that is, is mostly so cool. improvised. And we did the short scene about 15 different times because they use single cameras. So the camera, we did it three or four times with the camera here, three or four times with the camera here. yeah. And then they spliced them all together, and they make um, this short scene out.
0: Yeah. Oh, cool, cool. That oh, was cool. It was really fun. That's, uh, that is so cool to get into that. I, I've, I've, I've been frustrated. There was a campaign that, um, for those of you who don't live in Norway, there's a grocery store chain called, uh, and they were doing, you know, they have their barbecue, um, you know, grilling products. So okay. and this is, this is going back maybe six or seven years and so it's, it's, so it's, it's grilling season, it's barbecue season, summertime in Norway. So they come with this campaign for these products and uh, it, Texas, Texas style barbecue was, was in that marketing plan. So they, they, they have this run of commercials and I'm watching it and they have, you know, some non-speaking roles and the people could have been Norwegian. It could have been American. Who knows? Then they have a few speaking roles in some of the later, uh, commercials. Um, you know, a, a white guy, white lady speaking American English, probably an American, uh, but could, yeah, have, been a Norwe- yeah. could have been a Norwegian who was quite capable yeah. of speaking an American, uh, yeah, Amer- yeah. American English. And then there was this commercial <laughs> with a black guy, uh, and when he spoke his English lines, it was obvious that he was an African.
1: Oh, oh. okay, but he was and, he's supposed to. But be it's supposed
0: American to or? be because they're going for this Texas thing, and I'm like, oh, okay, it's I'm like, like okay, no, you know, I love, my, yeah. I love my, I Ni- love my Nigerian brothers and sisters. There can right. be Africans, yeah. there can be Nigerians in Texas, uh-huh. but of all of the black men that I know here in Norway, and they couldn't. They couldn't get one of us. Yeah, <laughs> no,
1: they could have. So they that that kind of
0: crushed. That kind of crushed just, my idea, my my dreams of getting into any um, any acting roles here, because they will probably pick an African instead of an American, even though well, the role, Even though the not. role, I mean,
1: if, if the guy is supposed to be an American black guy, you got to I just pick thought an that was
0: yeah, but I thought that was so cheesy. It's uh, well, they could have gotten
1: away with it if it was supposed to be if he was if supposed he to be from, the, from New York.
0: For example, of course, for example, course, we're
1: used to all access yeah, from New York, yeah, but, yeah. um, but other places, in and the there could be an world.
0: African. There could be Africans. I'm sure there are Africans in Texas, but but mm, but come on,
1: but come on. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, yeah. you could do that.
0: <laughs> no, Norway, gotta yeah. love it. Gotta love it. Yeah. <laughs> hey man, you know what?
1: I I have a child student coming in a few minutes, so I have to. I yeah. have to. Let's uh,
0: let's uh, you you go ahead and boogie. I uh, I want to thank you for doing this. Uh this was as fun, great. this was as fun as I thought it would be. You have an interesting life. Uh you're doing Thanks. a couple of things that are quite similar to things that I'm either doing or am interested in. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I think I'm going to start painting relatively soon. I will send oh, you cool. I'll yeah, send excellent. you some please shots please of please
1: things. Photograph them and put them out.
0: I will definitely do that. Um hey, this is step one in our friendship.
1: Yeah. Let's Look call- forward to the continuation. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, listen, um, thank you so much for doing this and uh, take care of yourself.
1: Thanks, John. My pleasure.
0: Bye now. Thank you and goodbye.